Hello, my darlings, and welcome to Monstrous Femme. This is the horror podcast by women and queer people, for women and queer people, with a special focus on examining the idea of the monstrous feminine as it appears in media, pop culture, and everyday life. I'm Lilith Theone, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ophelia Lovejoy and Mickey Smith. How are you doing today, Ophelia? I am doing pretty good. I had a little unboxing with my therapist earlier. <laughs> so I'm wearing this very cozy cloak that's got like the softest faux fur I think I've ever felt. Ooh. And it's got a little hood and I'm very cozy right now. Aww. So I'm jealous. That's very nice. Yeah. How about share you, their, Mickey? Ophelia uh-huh. shared their camera with me for a second. And they look like they just um, killed their old rich husband. <laughs> oh and, i love that and now they're like oh no he's dead how tragic <laughs> and like <Literally>. gently dabbing <laughs> at, at the at the weddies <laughs> yeah uh, oh God, me. well me core <laughs> good for you ophelia i mean girl power killed your husband and now you get to reap the benefits anyway yes, um insurance money yeah and uh how about how about you mickey how are you doing I have an ailment, but I'm being so brave about it. Yeah. You are so brave. (laughs) And I also gave it to my partner. So if you hear any ghostly wailing in the background, (laughs) I'm suffering from this cold. uh, It's seasonal. (laughs) It's seasonal. And uh, also people at coffee shops don't know how to wash their hands. And I'm pretty sure that's where we got it. Yeah. Had a very, very stressful weekend slinging lattes and... Yeah, yeah. Also, I apologize in advance because my um, my fire alarm is dead. So there uh, might be a little, <laughs> little extra beeper wow. too in the background. <laughs> everybody that comes over comments on it, or every time I'm in a video, somebody is yeah, like, "Your fire well, alarm's dead," and I'm like, "I know, bestie. I'm too short to change it." <laughs> I feel that I'm I'm only five three, so I feel you on the short thing. And, um, I, you know, I think that's nice because it kind of, there's a little bit, it sounds sort of creepy in a way. So that's kind of like a creepy mystique. It's like a little <laughs> creature in the background that's every so often making a sound. That was a paid actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it works with, with what we're doing here. So anyway, um, so I think that on today's episode, we were hoping to dive in to the mystical a bit. I'm so excited for this. Me too. I have my notes ready. Ooh, I got notes like... too. And in preparation last <laughs> night, I watched the 1977 Suspiria movie. Ooh. I've actually only seen the remake, and I feel really bad about that. I did really enjoy the remake, but I've never seen the original, and it's, it's on my it's on my must-watch list, but have I'm, not gotten around to it. I'm looking forward to watching the remake because the 1977 uh, it's it's very seventy seven. You know, it's very scary. <laughs> uh, yeah. The yeah. the blood is basically hot pink. Um, <laughs> yeah. The set design is amazing. My jaw was on the floor every time that they would uh, go into a new room, and the lighting choices were very interesting. It reminded me of maybe like what a school play would put on. Like when they turn the lights off, the room is suddenly all in bright red. And like the actors mm. act as if they cannot see because the lights are off. Right, that's the a writing, vibe. The writing leaves a little to be uh, desired. It's like, so what do you know about witches? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> okay, well, a little on the nose. 
<laughs> yeah, I think the remake is really good. Honestly, I was I was impressed by it. Um, I think I don't know. It's I because I don't have the I haven't seen the original, so I can't like compare the two. But the remake, I think. Um, I I think it's I would not. It's hard to say about the campiness. I don't really feel like it's like for the most part trying to do camp i feel like it's taking itself pretty seriously so it's a different vibe in that regard and there might be campy qualities but i feel like they are kind of like accidental almost um and so the remake is it's a serious it's a serious watch and it is really interesting and it's it's kind of has a little bit of like midsummer energy it's got like this whole yeah this whole sort of like serious witchy like society vibe that's going on kind of like a self-governing thing that's like culty and weird and it's like it's it's very dark and it's very interesting so i do recommend it um anyway did you have any hot takes about the monstrous feminine as it appears in the original suspiria um i thought it was interesting that you know, one thing that I came to realize about a lot of witch movies is that the the main protagonist of many witch movies is, like, a male lead trying to defeat the witch. But in this one, it was a female lead who um, who was quiet and not very gritty, but she, she seemed to be very sure of herself and confident in her choices. Very strong-willed, but not outspokenly so. So that was interesting. But, you know, it, it still fell into the trope of mean old hag for a witch who tries to, like, steal the body of a younger witch or younger woman to be her host slash vessel. Right. Mm-hmm. And all of her, her underlings, the other witches, were just kind of there. They weren't super powerful in any way, shape, or form. It was more just... I want that American bitch killed. <laughs> Bring her to to the mother witch. <laughs> it's like, right. whoa. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. But it definitely painted yeah. witchcraft as something very evil and nefarious. And uh, they called the, the mother witch the Black Queen because mm. she was especially evil and full of vitriol. I think it kind of fell into the idea that witchcraft, I, I, I'm thinking of it from like the witch trials, like like the 1400s, 1500s, that witchcraft back then was for the betterment or rather the, the very shallow wants of a woman to be young, to be beautiful. And so looking at witchcraft back then, I have a whole lot of notes about this that I really wanted to talk about with y'all. Maybe it would be better suited for a little bit later in the podcast right. when we're talking about how witches are shown in media. But, yeah. Um, yeah. In it's... Suspiria, they definitely went for the old hag that just wants to be young <laughs> thing. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's true of the remake, basically, too. I, It's been a minute since I've seen the remake, so I'm trying to remember. I feel like they subvert it a little bit more in the remake. And I just, the thing is, I feel like uh, the remake is very kind of intentional with its goals and is like, is much more trying to be a feminist movie. Uh, whether it succeeds or not, I guess is up for interpretation. But I think that it, like, I mean, the whole cast is... It's an all-female cast, and the one male character is played by a woman. So that... Tilda Swinton. Yeah, so it's... it's Yeah. So it's that, that right there kind of, I think, speaks to sort of the goals of the movie. And I think it's kind of trying to reclaim 
that sort of narrative around witchcraft and witchery and women and wanting to be, you know, needing this. And I think it's kind of commenting on that and has characters that are sort of kind of opposed to the, the bad stuff that's going on. And like it has more of a, it's more, it's more nuanced, I think, in some of those ways. But I have not seen the original, so I could be off base. I could watch the original and be like, oh, wow, this is actually, you know, very nuanced. But it sounds like described. <laughs> you know. Nuanced is not the word I would use. I would, I would perhaps say ham-fisted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what uh, I've heard. Oh my God. At one point, the protagonist goes and talks to somebody. And he's like, ah, my colleague is a is a master of witchcraft. He knows all about witches, um, but also he's a psychologist. And he walks over and he's like, ah, so you want to know about magic? Well, witchcraft is mental illness. Oh, no. <laughs> like, oh, oh, no. Hot wow. take. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> no, no. That it's is women interesting. women wanting to be powerful and mentally ill. And <laughs> like, thank you. Psych- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unintentionally oh God, relatable she just like me for real for real <laughs> yeah yeah well oh my that is a choice uh i mean like the th- i think also the difference is like the remake had oscar buzz i don't Ooh. think you could say that about the original the remake actually had oscar buzz and some people think that's ridiculous because like as a superior remake why would it have oscar buzz but like it did because it had i think it has interesting performances and the visuals are really i mean the cinematography is great the visuals are great so it's like a very it's a very well executed film and i i guess the original is different the originals were happy but the remake is okay. it feels definitely sophisticated and like they know what they're doing so that's it's a very different vibe um but anyway okay so i know we had discussed like a tarot reading type thing yeah i just i'm stupid about this stuff so how would that work exactly never say anything about that like that (laughs) about my friend i will try to be kinder to her never say anything uh, yeah (laughs) sorry i i stumbled a little bit no i got allowed to speak any longer Silence. Greg. Greg. Yeah. (laughs) Lilith must not be spoken of in this podcast. For our audio listeners at home, Craig is our little recording buddy on Discord. (laughs) Yeah. Our underling. Our underling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Y'all are talking Um, about such sophisticated movies, and I'm just like getting ready for the FNAF movie this Friday. Oh, I'm oh, excited for it too. I am so excited. I, oh my god. I'm I'm baby. I'm 22. This has been my special interest since I was like 13. <laughs> it's been 9 years, guys. I've been waiting. I'm baby. Yeah. Yeah. I I've I'm kind of a recent convert and I've never I've never played the games cuz I'm too much of a, a chicken for it, but I've watched a lot of people play them. Yeah, I have an investment in the story and the lore and the gameplay just by watching other people play it. And I'm very curious about what the movie does with it. And I'm, I don't know, I'm I'm excited. The trailers make it look promising. I don't want to get my hopes up too high, but I was like, oh, this, this looks good. So I'm, yeah. I'm very curious. I think it's going to be entertaining at the very least. I am genuinely curious, like, how original... Like, where the lore yeah. is going to be going in this movie. Because Five Nights at Freddy's lore, as we all know, is very convoluted. It's very yeah. long-winded. <laughs> and it's a little all over the place. But we love her anyway. Thank you, Scott Cawthon. Cawthon? Yeah. Um, I'm going to get destroyed <laughs> Yeah, that was knowing. my... <laughs> no, yeah, don't worry. I have no idea there. But that was my problem with that. It's like, when I first started watching YouTubers play it, they would play the first one that was released. And that's, you know, just basically... 
if there's lore in that game, it went over my head because I was not. I was just basically watching. You know, I know there's like stuff with the call, the guy calling in, but like it was, it's I think kind of subtle in the first it, game yeah, that was released. So I really just like the idea of like these things are alive and like we don't really know why what the deal is and we're gonna be like yeah they get a little weird at night i don't know what's going on with them and then they're actually murderous like i kind of liked it being a very surface level thing and not actually having this whole explanation and then when i found out what the explanation was i i still don't fully understand it i've tried like different readings and different breakdowns here's how everything's explained in this game and this game and this game and how it all comes together and i'm like i don't get it still so it's a little bit too complicated for me and i kind of just like <laughs> i like the idea of them just being haunted and we don't know why it's just that's like not, i kind of prefer yeah I just being a why. question mark. <laughs> Yeah. I require the Ophelia dissertation mm, on Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh my god. Lore. Maybe we should start a Patreon. <laughs> and then do little like rambles like that. Yeah, I would. Support my Patreon. Let me talk about FNAF. <laughs> Pay me and I'll talk about Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, I would be curious to just let you loose on that subject. Oh my and god, just yeah. Talk for however long. <laughs> She's going to be interesting because, like, I mean, obviously, in the original games, um, like, Mike Schmidt, the night guard, didn't have a kid with him. So, like, how canon is she going to be? That's a good question. But I, at the very least, know it's going to be entertaining. Like, I trust Blumhouse with my soul. They make good movies. Yeah, it's going to be a fun watch, no matter what. I'm looking forward to seeing it, too. And I'm very curious to hear your thoughts after you've seen it. Yes. And how it measures up to the games. Um, but anyway, so I was saying, um, that I will not use the word stupid because I don't want to insult, uh, Mickey's friend, Lilith, <laughs> but, um, I <laughs> don't <you>. totally, <laughs> I don't, I don't totally understand how we're going to do our tarot reading, but I would love to do it. So I'm, I'm all ears. If you have any ideas of like how we could do like a remote tarot reading session, just talk to me like I'm five years old. <laughs> so it's really easy. Um, I've done, I've done like tarot readings for my friend over the phone quite a bit before um so this is nothing super strange it works pretty much exactly the same as it as it would work as if we were in person so if if i were to read why don't don't i just go get my cards really quick i've only ever done tarot readings in person yeah i've done i i've only done like in person tarot and then I don't know how accurate it is, but I do like to do online tarot readings <laughs> just myself. I find them just fun whenever I'm bored and looking for something to do online. I'll sometimes just pull up an online tarot thing and be like, let's go, you know? And it's fun. It's, it is a, it's an interesting experiment at the, if nothing else. And I think that, I think what's interesting about tarot also for me, and I think I mentioned this last time, is that it's kind of a lot of like, I personally am a believer of like how you interpret it is mm-hmm. a big like sign of what's going on in your life and what what you're needing to hear like and so that I think it's kind of for people that don't believe in any kind of like magic or mysticism I think that they should kind of like appreciate the merit of that alone even like just the idea that it kind of what you take away from it is maybe what you needed to take away from it and yeah. so like there's like a psychological merit too beyond just the the mystical stuff if somebody is totally skeptical and not into any of the stuff which i guess i would say i am like a, a skeptic i try not to 
throw that around though because it feels like such a buzzkill to be like I'm the skeptic one I'm the one that doesn't believe in any of the fun stuff but I guess I I probably fall into that camp but I still really enjoy all the fun stuff and I don't want to take away from anybody who does believe in it because I think that that's you know it's perfectly valid for anybody to believe in that I'm not one of those skeptics that's like why does anybody believe in this and want to like be a jerk about it so um yeah, yeah. I think I think there's a definite difference between a skeptic and like a naysayer yeah that's exactly what it is and there's a lot of people that use the word skeptic when i think they really mean naysayer or buzzkill yeah or people who are like oh tarot readers are just uh trying to take your money and it's yeah it's like i think everybody knows what they're getting into when they sign up for a tarot reading so I feel like there's also a distinct difference in like if we're gonna talk about like money and mysticism there's a very like a distinct difference between people that are kind of bullshitting for money and people that are like genuinely in tune with their practice and just are expending their energy and want to be paid for expending their energy and using their skills like tarot like there's like 78 cards to memorize and their reversals and they're reversals, and they are all, like, different interpretations depending on how you read them. Like, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of experience. Right. And, like, there's a difference between people, like, offering tarot readings and then the, like, fake psychics online that are like, tell me all your information, and then I'll tell you something vague, and then you'll pay me $50. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly true. Like, I, a couple years back, I interviewed um, somebody that considered themselves guess a mediums i don't know what what the word was that she but she believed that she could see and interact with ghosts and it had this power all of her life and she didn't charge anybody for any services um and seemed very sincere in her belief and i personally don't really believe in that stuff but like i'm not gonna sit here and tell somebody that has had these you know experiences no these are not valid these didn't happen to you like it seemed and she wasn't hurting anybody she wasn't even like you know trying to charge people in like a sincere way she wasn't charging anybody anything and so i was like well this is this is interesting to hear somebody that feels like they have these beliefs they're not making money off of it i'm not gonna tell them that they're wrong even if i don't really believe in it personally like i there's you know there's probably like some kind of explanation for it and i'm not gonna discount that and i don't think there's anything wrong with being somebody that thinks that you have those beliefs if you have experiences with that like it like it was fine like she wasn't charging she wasn't trying to like because i think people that you know like charge you to like i'll tell you what your loved ones want to say to you on the grave just give me you know five thousand dollars or whatever that is a very different breed than somebody that just feels like they have those powers and they should be treated in very different ways and seen in different ways And i think a lot of times they get lumped together as all people that have those sorts of beliefs and it's like well not everybody's trying to to swindle people yeah i also feel i also feel like it's totally valid to want to make money from your skills from this if you are like yeah that too being honest and yeah. being actually know what you're talking about like just straight up know what you're talking about and yeah because there are tarot readers that are super experienced and there are mediums that are super experienced and have had like a lot of good honest stuff done and they want to share their skills but yeah. it does take a lot of energy like it is draining physically ethical physics <laughs> or psychics <laughs> yeah yeah it and also and it just it does make me wonder a lot of ethical questions about it because like let's say somebody is not Mm -hmm. being sincere and they're not actually contacting like a deceased relative 
but they tell somebody a message that makes that person feel good and they're right. happy with the session they've had like I have conflicting feelings about that because like yeah it's not good to lie but also if the person walked away feeling happy and like they got something out of that then feeling like they were satisfied with what they paid for and like it was comforting to them like I it's just it's kind of an interesting moral dilemma and like I think that there's more nuance to it especially if somebody also believes that they are sincerely contacting your dead relative whether they are or not if they believe that and you believe that and you leave the session feeling good and like you got something positive out of it like that's a very complicated thing to sort of address the the ethics of it's like how ghost shows are partial like half ghost shows are fake as fuck yeah and then the other half are like ooh, maybe <laughs> yeah yeah so getting back to tarot though so how how does it work for a remote okay. reading tell us and tell the listeners that are not um informed on the topic still don't have all the cards memorized 100 percent. i've been reading for like five years but it's i still like to have my little guidebook next to me right yeah um, that's fair so what i could do maybe this could be like a little regular thing that we do where i pull a daily card for our like little recording session oh that's a good idea yeah and how that works is so i'll like shuffle my cards and for me reading is different like it literally looks different for everybody like people genuinely just shuffle differently for me i like to just kind of shuffle until the right cards kind of fall into place and then interpret them how they fall Um, Some people like to shuffle and then pull or just like, you know, things like that. But like, that's just how I do it. So I'm gonna like kind of set the intention and then shuffle the cards and then the cards will respond. And then I'll read the cards and that'll like kind of tell us how it goes down. And I don't know, I've been doing it for so long where like it's really easy for me to kind of just connect with uh, people's energies from afar because it's more talking, like for me with tarot, it's more talking to the universe than like right. connecting to the other people. Right. So it's it's easier to like just get an answer from source, spirit, whatever you want to call it. Like that's a whole other thing we can get into. Um, is just yeah. like how one views spirituality. Yeah. But like source, spirit, however, God, goddess, deities, whomst, you just like ask them your question, and then they'll provide an answer. Sometimes it's more nuanced than that. Sometimes it's more complicated and you need clarifiers. But if we're just going to pull a general, like, what do we need to know for this recording session? <laughs> yeah. It could be like yeah. a cute little, cute little card. Like, how's, how's our day going to go? So I'm going to, can you hear this? Can you hear my shuffling at all? I can. Um, I thought I heard a little bit and I wasn't sure. <laughs> Start so... slamming my cards together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I also read tarot. So I'm I'm really curious, Ophelia, uh, when the cards feel right, what does that feel like to you? And when you say that they fall into place, do you are you talking about like physically falling from the deck, or yes. uh, like a good shuffle? So how I shuffle is um, it'd be easier if I could show you <laughs> how to describe for audio listeners. Theater of the mind. Theater of the mind. So I don't shuffle cards in like a traditional way. I kind of like hold them in my palm. They're facing upright. And then I like take some and then put it to the side. And they kind of mix together as I do that. And whoa, whoa, what just happened, I bud? just found a mystery card in my deck. That isn't a tarot card. Ace of spades. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like it's, it's, um, 
it, it like came with the deck, but I didn't know it was in there. It's just, you are a <laughs> badass being full of life, love, and possibilities <laughs> through this deck. So slay. May you find a path to be your best self. Thanks, girl. Maybe that's what we needed to hear. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking you meant like somehow Monopoly card just got <laughs> in your tarot deck. You know, sometimes um, they'll like tarot deck creators will throw in a little bonus card just that has a little message or an extra piece of artwork or something like that. I just didn't know this was in here because uh, I got this yeah. deck from a friend. <laughs> So, oh, so that yeah. was a fun little tidbit. Oh, and look at that. The Wheel of Fortune. Oh, the, the world is ours. So, the world is literally <laughs> ours, yeah. Slay. So, yeah. What I do is I'll, like, physically move them in between each other in my palm, and that'll, like, cause them to, like, ruffle up a little bit, and some of them will fall out. And I, it, it's usually, like, okay... How many cards have fallen out and does that feel correct? Mm. And when it feels correct, it's kind of like the gut feeling. Like, it's hard to describe intuition in a physical sense. Totally. Because, like, it is is so very, like, you just know. That's how it works. That's what intuition really is. <laughs> it's you just know. It feels right. Your mind is telling you to go for it. And it's literally just kind of like trusting your gut. Does this make sense? And does it feel right? And if it does, then read it. The Wheel of Fortune is literally a card, upright, by the way, is a card that resembles or like talks about literally like the tides of fate beginning to change. Things are starting to progress in a different manner. And I know like Mickey's sick and it's <laughs> everyone's had like a rough month. Yeah, we had to reschedule yeah. this recording sesh so many times because it's like, guess what? <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering if the Wheel of Fortune is kind of reassuring us like, hey, things are about to get better. We just got to keep pushing through. It'll be all right. Today's going to be a good recording. It's already a good recording so far. We're having fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's already going better than I was feeling at the start just because I was feeling so tired. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get it together for this. <laughs> so things have already been looking up. So I'm I'm feeling good about it. But on that subject, I did want to get into um, both of your spiritual beliefs and practices a bit more. We'll start with you, Ophelia, since we're kind of already talking about it. So I know you describe yourself as a witch. And I'm just curious as somebody that like I was... Basically, I was interested in Wicca and practicing Wicca, and I was kind of just confused about, like, how to get into it, because there's a bunch of kind of conflicting information online about, like, oh, you need a group to practice with. Oh, you could do it solitary, but if you're going to become a witch, you have to go through these steps to order, like, in order to make yourself, like, an official solitary witch. So, oh, kind of what my, yeah, my first question to you is, like, how you got into it, and, like, where it started. Do you practice with other people, and, like, do you uh, go by any of those rules? Do you, like, do any kind of ritual to, like officiate yourself into it or do you feel like that was not necessary Ooh, I, okay hmm. i have thoughts about wiccanism as a practice just because it is a very new practice to begin with it was created like in yeah. the 50s i think um and the man that created it was not a very good man the bible that oh. they wrote was not it's very misogynistic at times so that's Ooh. my personal tea with it is I don't practice Wiccanism. It's not my cup of tea because Wiccanism is like taken away from a lot of other uh, religions and it's very strict for some reason, which I feel like is not the point of witchcraft in my personal right. experience. 
Um, yeah. I feel like it creates the organized, like Wiccanism is an organized religion. Witchcraft is separate from Wiccanism. And okay. uh, so you can be a witch without practicing in like a group, without anything. Like anyone can do witchcraft anytime. It is so independent on its own. You don't need to practice with a group, but it is fun to like practice with other people. I am a Hellenic witch, so that's usually, like, the word Hellenic comes from Hellenikos relating to Greece or Greek, which right. means that my deities, the, the deities that I work with and the beliefs that I uphold are usually, like, associated with Greek mythology and um, Greek practices. What drew you to, to the Hellenic pantheon? Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, I was into witchcraft at, like, the youngest age possible like i wanted to be a witch every year for halloween oh. i wish witchcraft was real like i was like we were gonna get into halloween media later but halloween town was my shit Ooh, yeah i, I wanted to be there too. i wanted to be there so bad <laughs> like how do i yeah. get my mailing address there <laughs> like what's the yeah. yeah oh my god yeah <laughs> oh my god but um like my my mom bought me like story halloween books uh of revolving around like witch characters like i was like i need it i need it <laughs> and then in middle school that's when like i started meeting more people with like other spiritual backgrounds and i had always had kind of a disconnect from my christian faith growing up like i grew up in a christian environment and i have a lot of hashtag trauma from that and i feel like when I started to meet these people in middle school, I started to experience this reality that was so far beyond what, like, Christian ideals are. And I, like, just felt very called to the Hellenic practices. Like, Aphrodite was the first deity I heard about. Zeus was one of the first deities I hear about. Like, I feel like Greek mythology and Greek media is actually pretty common, pretty well known. Yeah. So it, was, it makes sense that that's kind of the first place that I started. I mean, like, think about Hercules, like. Or the Percy Jackson series. And the Percy. Yeah, exactly. Like, Greek mythology is just like kind of the base level. Everyone knows about it everyone can kind of get into it. And I feel like it's easier to start there just because there's so much information on it. And that, not to say that like you have to start there because you can start wherever. You don't even have to work with a deity to practice witchcraft. But for me, it was just like, I just felt very called to them. And I don't know, I actually never got into the Percy Jackson books or movies because I felt it was too inaccurate and it felt weird. <laughs> I was like, I know those people. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would never. <laughs> they wouldn't do that. <laughs> I've never gotten into those either. But um, I've always been a big fan of Artemis. I really love what she stands for. Yes. Um, there's a lot of goddesses that I just am so interested in and fascinated by um, and have an appreciation for. And you're right. I mean, it comes up a lot in in media in um, classic art. I mean, there's so many different ways that you can kind of... Um, first engage with it and interact with it so like as as westerners like yeah it's it's something that mm -hmm. i think we're all kind of immersed in um and it's very easy to like be familiar with those figures on some level but anyway yeah so that's interesting i i kind of didn't even totally realize that that you were not i just sort of conflated 
Wicca with witchcraft. So I was assuming that you practice some form of Wicca. And I think a lot of people do that. And I'm kind of curious about your thoughts on that. Like, does it bother you? Because I know what you're saying about it was totally valid. And I hadn't heard any of that before. But like what you said makes complete sense. Does, so does it kind of like, is it? do you get a lot of people that assume you're practicing Wicca when you say witch? And does that get under your skin at all? I do get that a lot. And it, it does a little, just yes. just a little bit, just because like, I've had personally bad experiences in the Wiccan community as well. Yeah. Um, and that's just like my little trauma tea, my little bias. But yeah. I feel like it's totally... You sounded very impassioned. Yeah, and I feel like it's totally valid to like practice Wicca. Like it is a religion. People aren't like allowed to believe in what they want to believe in. I feel like it's a very fair step from Christianity if you're used to like not brick and mortar, but like there's a... Con- there's it's It's like constructed right yeah there's like a system to it there's like a bible there's like things there's stuff with witchcraft i feel like it's much more out in the open it's much more like do your own research and like speaking of definitely respect closed practices everyone hello please look up what a closed practice is before you participate if you're not sure ask literally please ask so many people will talk like just use white sage and i'm like bestie you can't do that (laughs) or they say smudging when smudging yes no oh my god (laughs) smoke cleansing unless it's smoke cleansing unless you're an uh an aboriginal or native american person Mm -hmm. it is indeed i literally wrote smudging versus cleansing in my notes on (laughs) so thank you for bringing that up we're so connected bestie Oh my gosh, look at us, we're twinning. (laughs) And like I said, there's like any to no religion involved. Like I am an omnist, so I believe that just a little bit of everything at least deserves to exist and be respected in its own way. I kind of have this idea of the universe where because everything is like connected from like the big bang you know we're all stardust we're all connected by the same source the same energy i feel like deities just show up in a different way plants show up in a different way we show up in a different way but every like living thing has energy every piece of the universe has a bit of energy to it and i feel like that said that means to me that all religions and all like religious experiences might be coexisting in their own way like everything is a little bit right yeah that's really interesting and so if somebody were to come to you and they were to say like i'm interested in being a witch and practicing witchcraft like but where do i get started just asking for a friend Lilith. (laughs) (laughs) i well just because i'm curious for like anybody out there that has that question because i know you said um in our first episode like anybody can be a witch so like if somebody were to come to you and ask like but what do i do to like get started down that road how do i make myself a witch like how would you even answer that question i guess oh i wanted my like knuckles cracking to into the microphone. <laughs> but, um, we'll I edit remember. that in in post. <laughs> <laughs> you. Crick. Okay. Um, <laughs> but like, it definitely, I feel like an easy way to start is just like doing some research on basic elements. Like, let me, oh my gosh, I have like my own little grimoire that I write in and she's got lots of notes back from when I like started witchcraft And uh, some of the first things that I took notes on were like, okay, what color associations, like what colors associate with what energy? 
what spices associate with what energy because like I was saying everything has an intended energy purpose and that's like how witchcraft kind of overlaps with like medicine in the past where it's like spices and herbs cooking magic is a really good place to start you can literally just look up what each spice means or does in a spiritual sense and apply that to whatever you're making and or you could like make little spells and incantations or like little sayings to to go with your your daily activities like this one I found on TikTok um can't remember who it was by but um it was like a little morning incantation while you're mixing your coffee I do this every day since I've seen it um while you're mixing your coffee you stir it clockwise but it's something along the lines of like this is going to be a good day and whatever the universe throws my way I can handle it Mm. Um, and then I just like mix my coffee clockwise and then take a sip and that's a little spell that's magic Mm, okay yeah that makes sense and then so like for somebody that was curious like I guess I'm just also wondering about sort of the the deities and kind of choosing or like selecting which Mm -hmm. ones kind of you have a special and also just like if people don't want to go with like the Hellenistic route like you know so like it it can be just like anything any kind of um any kind of mythology or any kind of um deities from any culture is that fair to say that is fair to say obviously some cultures are close practices but like there are christian witches there are catholic witches like anyone can be a witch with any deity like you can like i also practice with like norse deities and i Grew up in a very Celtic environment, so I work with some Celtic deities, too. In terms of, like, figuring out who you connect with, you could always ask someone for a tarot reading or just, like, do some research. (laughs) Does a tarot reading right now. Yeah, but it might be also kind of like an intuitive thing, right? So it's sort of like... Like, if if you were to kind of just sit with yourself, maybe meditate on it for a moment and just kind of ask yourself, like who do I feel connected to? Like, where should I start? Like, what feels right? A lot of witchcraft is just asking yourself what feels right and then trusting that feeling. And in terms of, like, doing it with no deity or religious practice, like, then that's just up to your personal interpretation of how you view energy. Um, Some people I know practice by just using universe as a whole, like the universe's energy from the Big Bang, like that sort of thing. Some people prefer to talk to source or an unnamed deity, just like big overarching energy, like where where energy comes from, source. Um, some people prefer just, or, or like even the moon. Some people can like detach from deities and just be like, hey, right. energy from the earth, energy from the moon, energy from the sun. Like, pick your source, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, Mickey, how would you describe your spiritual beliefs? Um, I know you you also are into tarot. Yeah. And um, so, actually, Ophelia and I have similar but branching paths, it sounds like. Because uh, as a, a younger Mickey... I was very into the idea of being a witch, and I was very intrigued by it. And I started like looking up colors and spices, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, of what energies mean. And I got so bogged down with the idea that I was doing it wrong if cinnamon didn't mean heat, or if red didn't mean anger or lust. Like I, I was very worried about that, and 
I was very rigid, I suppose, in my practice of these people who wrote this information know much better than me. And if I do anything different, then I am doing it wrong. Along with like tarot readings, I used to only do tarot spreads that I would find online or in books. Um, I still have, uh, I still have a book called Tall, Dark, Handsome Stranger Tarot Spreads. <laughs> I love that. I bought when I was like 16 and I was, um, I was a little partner crazy and I just wanted to like do a lot of love readings. And so mm-hmm. I almost, the word is a little harsh, but like I almost gatekeeped myself Uh, In the way that I felt I had to learn all of these things and it discouraged me so much from my practice and I kind of gave it up because I had an idea of what being a witch meant and what practicing magic meant and I was not fulfilling that image in my mind and so I kind of threw it all up in the wind and said, well, I failed at that. I guess I am not good enough to be a witch. And then I returned to it as a slightly older Mickey. And <laughs> and I recognized that I do not vibe at all with any rigidity when it comes to witchcraft or magic. I vibe very, very heavily with the idea of chaos. That mm-hmm. fate is not set in stone at all. Things are just yes. going to happen. And uh, it's my job as somebody who is in tune with myself to listen to my intuition and to know exactly what it is I need in this moment. So, for example, I still have my very first tarot deck. He is my one and only. I I bought another one at one point because I love the art. It was the Tarot del Fuego. The art was so fun and vivid. But as soon as I started using it, the tarot deck was just like, I do not like working with you. We're not going to have a good relationship. Just give me away. And uh, I just had to like listen to that. And then when I came back to my original, he was like, so you wanted to cheat on me. And I'm like, I'm so sorry <laughs> for what I have done. <laughs> Please <laughs> That's take so me back. Real. I'm so glad that you brought up those feelings too, because I definitely understand that especially like coming from like ex-christian understanding that you're not necessarily gonna do anything wrong or get in trouble for doing anything wrong i guess is like something like a new concept for or it was a new concept for me in my practice and it took a very long time to like comprehend that i feel like especially coming from like a place of religious trauma you're so used to this idea of like hell torture like (laughs) sin you do something bad you get punished but with witchcraft it's like who's gonna punish you why would they punish you unless you are you know hexing the moon like those tiktokers did don't do that that's bad (laughs) that is bad but (laughs) but in terms of just like mixing up cinnamon and allspice that's fine you're fine bestie as interesting yeah yeah, because i kind of had that experience too um when i was like in my teens i looked into wicca which i kind of felt like was was the option you know like i didn't really realize there were even kind of perfectly legitimate alternatives that are still within witchcraft that like you don't have to go with wicca because i just thought it was like wicca 
Um, so I looked into it and there were kind of like, as you were saying, like a lot of rules and stuff and I was confused and I was like, how do you like sort of get started and how, how do you like officiate yourself or be officiated? And what if there's nobody near you that's practicing like, like an air solitary how do you like officiate yourself if you're solitary like I had all these questions and I yeah it's it's I think it's very easy to feel like that sort of feeling of gatekeeping yourself from it because you're not kind of as overwhelming and you can feel like um because it's not it's not like these other religions that you might have a frame of reference for and you can be confused by that and you can be kind of thrown by that and feel like I don't want to do it the wrong way without kind of considering maybe there is not a wrong way to do it you know maybe there are, maybe every way is legitimate in its own its own right as the person that i am now i'm a extremely firm believer of take what works for you and leave behind the rest with a little thank you like yes. i i explored a lot of different religions because religion is one of my big interests i love learning about it and i love the history of it because i think that is it is such a human thing to want to worship and to want to understand something bigger than ourselves and also the occult is very interesting because the occult is literally just other all throughout time there have been people with ideas that gather together and they worship and do things in a certain way and then somebody takes what they want from that and says well actually i believe in it this way then they branch off and then they create a new religion a new sect a new practice and that's just been going on since humans have had enough time to think about where we have come from and what it means to be human and what it means to believe in something greater and i also think that religion is our way our human way of trying to understand the things in our world that we cannot understand. Like, way, way, way back in the day, I don't understand why this big storm is here. We must have upset a god. What can we do mm -hmm. to appease them? And then we, I don't know, laid out an offering of some sort, and then the uh, the storm passes and we say our offering worked now whenever there's going to be bad weather or if we want to stave off bad weather we should leave out this offering like it's just our idea of wanting to have some power or control over our environment but also recognizing that the environment that the things in play are very much out of our control so what little band-aid can we put onto this situation to make it feel like well at least we did something and i also think that like the placebo effect goes into this very deeply because i know scientifically that writing my wish on a little dried leaf of basil and then burying it probably isn't going to change anything in my life but in my heart of hearts i know that i wrote down i want to be a published author the next year and i wished upon that and i buried it and that drives me to want to do more writing and to be more serious about my 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 wishes and my goals because i feel like there is now something larger than myself watching over me and I feel like I have to appease that to continue on with my goals because I want to see that come to fruition. And so I think that intuition is a huge part of my personal practice. And mm -hmm. 
another big part of that is uh, is chaos, like I, I mentioned earlier. The idea that if bad things are happening, then the universe will settle it all out and then good things will come again. Or mm-hmm. if I've had a lot of good luck recently, I should reap the benefits and also kind of ready myself for whatever challenges are going to be thrown my way. And mm-hmm. Ophelia, you mentioned a little bit about um, like Celtic and Norse beliefs. I I think that the best, I, I, I want to say spokesperson, but that's not it. <laughs> I guess the best... Uh, the best deity I could choose to represent my feelings about the universe and my feelings about what's happened to me in my life and just a way for me to put a band-aid on something and say, there is my placebo, I feel so much better, is to say that I worship Loki. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. You said chaos, and I was like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, because Loki... That's Loki's cup of tea. Loki, to me, is a world breaker, and I've been through Mm -hmm. a lot of shit in my life, a lot of stuff that should have never happened to a kid or a young person and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I the only way that I feel like I can accept that those things have happened is to understand that my world was being broken and I am now a more empathetic kind and uh, a more intuitive and wise person because all of these mm. things have happened because otherwise I'm gonna have a fucking mental breakdown and I'm going to I'm going to, like, personally <laughs> bill Loki for my therapy appointments. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like Loki is often... I It's so bizarre to me to... Like, we were talking about this in our, in our group chat, too, when we were, mm-hmm. we were bringing this up. But, like, Loki is, like, sometimes interpreted still as, like, oh, he's so bad and terrible because he's evil and does things. Like, and construed for- with the devil. <laughs> yeah. For one, mythology is like hardly ever actually brought up in witch practice, if that makes sense. If like you're communicating with the deities, you're communicating with them now, not whatever version of them was interpreted thousands of years ago. And a lot of mythology in in like my personal experience with witchcraft is like people wrote it people wrote it so i mean there there are going to be stories and parts of it that may not be realistic to how certain deities actually are or interact and i feel like loki is often associated with such a big bad but um loki also works with like mental health and children (laughs) that of abuse and like Mm -hmm. cares deeply about yeah me too bestie oh Oh, me too winning again I'm, like, putting my fingers out and doing, like, little twinkle fingers. I hope that um, both of you are doing the same. I'm doing it now, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, now I am. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my God. We're so connected. Ah! Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts on that, Mickey, about Loki being big bad? Oh, I mean, that's just being othered. And what is going through Real. difficult times than being othered? I think that um, a lot of people can connect to being othered. I know I certainly can. Even just othering myself without meaning to. It happens all the time. And so I think that if you feel like you're kind of the othered underdog, Mm -hmm. you're going to root for the othered underdog. Like, you're going to relate to them. And I also think you will connect with the energies, with the deities, with the spells, incantations, whatever that will benefit you the most and that I truly truly believe that you are drawn to things for a reason 
And I don't know if that reason comes from something much bigger than yourself or from your intuition, just saying this is what's going to benefit you at the moment. But girl, I'm going to keep popping those sugar pills because I love a good placebo. <laughs> Mood. Yes, fantastic. You said it really well. Yeah. You said it really well. Like, I feel like intuition is definitely, and like you said, doing what's best for you in the moment and knowing that it feels right. Exactly. Mm. And that's where all of my, I don't even know if I would call it magic, but that's where all of my practice comes from. I feel drawn to tarot decks and pendulums. I feel drawn mm. to taking a uh, a quartz with me when I travel because it makes me feel good. Yeah. I feel drawn to writing my intentions on basil leaves and burying them in the ground because I know I can't keep a basil plant alive (laughs) (laughs) so i just gotta do with what i have you know and so i think that intuitive witchcraft is i think going to be the easiest for people to get into because it's all based on you Mm -hmm. and like i it might be a little controversial from what all that we have said but like fuck the lists no yeah (laughs) fuck the lists of like yellow is creativity like girl if you feel creative when you look at magenta or black or blue then that is your creative color and if you want to create a grimoire of things that make sense for you then do that like uh like when i do tarot readings i got a journal and i sat down with each and every card And I wrote down what that card means to me. And so my little journal of card meanings is going to be different from Ophelia's and it's going to be different from like the next witch. That's, that's just what it means to me. And uh, if anybody ever in the world says you're doing it wrong, I'm just going to say like, well, go look in the mirror. You're being wrong for telling me Yes, that. I agree. Yeah. I feel like the list making and like the properties and stuff is only a good place to start for me personally, just because like it totally. gives you an idea of what you're looking for, if that makes sense. Like if you have no idea what things are even mm-hmm. remotely supposed to mean, then like having at least an outline of what it means for other people can be like helpful to like guide your interpretations. Right. I can definitely see the value in that. But I also happily disagree. And I say, pick up a cinnamon stick, sit down with it, and think about what cinnamon means to you. Because maybe when you were a child, you were forced to drink cinnamon tea and you hated it. And you see it as something hexing and awful. That's right. Whereas Mm -hmm. I sit down with it, I see it as warming and kind and gentle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... I, I mean, I'm going to very happily disagree with you on this, and I'm so happy that we're having this conversation, and um, I love you two besties. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't disagree with that. I think both can be a valuable yeah. option, in my opinion. Yeah, I think definitely. it just depends on what the person particularly needs. Like, that's just good for your practice. Yeah. That's what's good for my practice. Maybe Lilith prefers Intuition. completely different. Yeah, right. And so, Mickey, would you describe yourself as a witch or just somebody that's interested? Uh, I'm just a guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I don't know what I would describe myself as. I don't know if I would call myself a witch because I don't really discuss these things with a lot of people. And when I have, I felt very judged and othered. Right. And so I would say that my practice, whatever that may be, is just my self-care. <laughs> like... 
Yeah. I am just really going with the flow. And, uh, you know, sometimes I just need to pick up a, like a D20 and just roll it and see how likely it is that I'm going to do something. Like, mm. I, I think, I don't know if I would call myself a witch. I think I would just call myself like a practitioner. <laughs> that sounds very clinical. I don't <laughs> have a word for it, I suppose. Right. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's that makes sense. Um, And it's interesting what you're saying about um, Loki and about kind of how people that are the underdogs in real life and, you know, might connect to an underdog figure and somebody that's, you know, kind of a bit more ambiguous or a bit more kind of looked down upon. I think that connects really well to the monsters feminine and to the ways in which it can be empowering, even sort of by accident like a figure in a movie or a book or whatever might like a, in a piece of horror media might be intended to be sort of a villainous woman that you're meant to um, feel judgmental toward or bad about, but it might accidentally be empowering to somebody watching it and they might see some of themselves in it and some, some of themselves in that character and root for that character and like that character because of those very same monstrous qualities. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it kind of connects with that Fun well. Fun fact, Loki is gender fluid in mythology. Mm. And, Girl, me too. Yes. I, <laughs> like, in my personal practices with Loki, like, their genders, like, their pronouns will change depending on how they're feeling around me. Which I think is very fun. Mm, yeah. Right. When I've done tarot readings, uh, like when I, I was feeling very lost and like I needed to reconnect with something larger than myself because uh, I needed that something to like look over me. I was doing a tarot reading with uh, a friend who is a witch and she said that she felt very safe in this moment and that she was protecting me and that she was opening the door for everything with me. And I laid out two cards, and I got the Emperor and the Empress. And I'm like, Ooh. oh my god, it's Loki! Oh like, I got, like, so excited. And I'm like, mm. yeah, that that's it. Yep, everything that's amazing. in that. And I, I got so emotional, I felt, like, so warm, physically warm and protected, and, like, just, like, this extremely maternal yes. love surrounding me. Oh, so. I love mm. that. I love hearing about that. That's, like, the best experience you can have, is, like, the comfort of a deity. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, especially yeah. Like, hashtag traumatized. Uh, like <laughs> getting that paternal love elsewhere. Slay. Mm. Well, I'm yeah. Oh, I was I was about to reveal some Mickey backstory. So, uh, my mom passed away 13 years ago. So, uh, so that maternal love is something that is very foreign to me. And to feel that from something greater than myself is is extremely special and personal. Um, but, like, my parents weren't the best parents in the world. Yeah. And so, and my siblings didn't really care about me either. So I grew up basically an only child, and I wasn't paid attention to, paid attention to a very lot. So having deities, mm. especially in middle school, because that was, like, the hardest part of my life. And I felt like I was facing it alone. So having deities make me feel protected and safe and loved was, like, extremely important for me to keep going. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I, I have this opinion that we create a god, like a big dude in the sky, 
because I think that as we grow up, we still need like a maternal or paternal figure to like pick us yeah. up when we fall yeah. down and to like put a bandaid on our knee and say everything is going to be okay. Like ever since we were a child, we have had something grander than us. Like thinking back to when you were very, very young, I felt like my parents could do anything and everything in the world. And they were these magical beings that if I said, I really want a chocolate malt milkshake, they'd be like, get up and go. I'm going to drive this behemoth of a machine and we're going to go get a milkshake. It's like, holy shit, you're magic. And then Mm. I think that we lose that as we grow up. And then in adulthood, when we realize we at the age of our parents don't have all the answers we don't know what's going on we can't magically make things happen we're like oh my god i need something bigger than myself i need something to take care of me and so i think that that's when we make something up to worship because then if we appease them like when we were younger and we got good grades or we did our chores or we picked up our toys then we would get something good as a result and so i think that us praying is us picking up our toys i think us Mm. getting a pat on the back from god or any deity is us getting that chocolate milkshake because you did good (laughs) like like that's my personal feeling and so really accurate uh, i am indoctrinating both of you into my religion (laughs) real dad real dad it's just a dad (laughs) That gives you, like, really good advice, and at the end of it, after a difficult, very soul-bearing conversation, you do get a burger at the end. So. <laughs> Where do I sign up? Mm. Uh, you're already in it, Soleil. <laughs> Where's my burger? <laughs> uh, it's in the mail. It's coming from Canada, oh. so uh, it might it's take a couple stinky. weeks. It's gonna be stinky. Yeah. That's okay. Enjoy your stinky burger. You deserve it. Yeah. (laughs) Or you can grill it up yourself as an offshoot to grill dad. I do have burgers in my freezer, maybe. (gasps) It's a sign. Oh my god. (laughs) That's witchcraft. I don't eat beef. So that I don't eat beef, so it's complicated for me. Uh it could be a YouTube. Yeah. Or if you eat white meat. Real dad accepts all, yeah. you know? Sometimes. Oh my gosh, Dungeons and Daddies, are you familiar? Yes. <laughs> Henry yeah. Oak with his vegan burgers. <laughs> That's a dad fact right there. That's a dad fact. Okay, well, uh, thank you for listening to my huge rant about religion. <laughs> I have so much more. Well, it's yeah. very, it's very interesting. That was beautiful, and it was very well put. Thanks, bud. And it yeah. was a very enjoyable conversation yeah. that I have. So I wanted to, though, ask both of you kind of how you feel about depictions of witches in media. And if you have any like movies or books or whatever that you think are really good depictions, like this gets it right or any that you really feel like, oh, this gets it wrong. It gets it wrong in like a very misogynistic way um, or any that you just feel strong about that you like or dislike, regardless of how well, the, how good the representation is, like just ones that you like might enjoy, like Halloween Town. Like it's obviously very fantastical, but it might be, you know, comforting. And this can overlap with your favorite um, Halloween media also. So if it's anything you rewatch at this time of year or reread or revisit, you know, feel free to share that. But um, I guess let's start with you, Ophelia. How, what do you think? I think personally that like the thing with witches in media most of the time is that they are often stereotypical like I don't or and it's usually Mm -hmm. like 
misogynistic, very misogynistic of like, yeah, women yeah. want thing bad. <laughs> <laughs> women can't yeah. want anything. I like the Neanderthal voice. Yeah, icky yeah. brain, icky brain. <laughs> And I feel like that's just such a common thing in witches and media. And it's very rare. Like, I feel like it's more common in children's media for witches to be portrayed in, like, a feminist and fun way. Funny enough, because, like, a lot of the times in adult media, it's in a very, like, horror aspect. Oh, yeah. You know, like, does that make sense? Like, it's it's very different. The vibe is very different. And I feel like um, in children's media it's actually a lot more fun and fantastical and yeah and that creates a stronger character arc around the the witches rather than just mm-hmm. um magic bad yeah yeah and the thing is i mean um the witch is one of the monstrous feminine archetypes and so like you see that come up in horror movies a lot and usually it's not meant to be particularly flattering there are definitely like subversions of that but in horror media i think it's a lot of times a lot of um not so good um not good representation very kind of um what you would like you're saying stereotypical like this negative stereotypical um old school what they were thinking in salem type of witch depictions which is you know not great and then i think i mean i think some modern depictions are maybe challenging that a bit and also I mean, I think it's interesting because then you do have like sort of outliers that um, like bewitched, you know, that was on in the 60s and was like a positive representation of witches and like a very kind of like this is just a woman that is a witch. And like, yeah, it's a it's a comedy and it's a fantasy and it's like ridiculous, but it's also like a positive depiction of a witch, which I think is kind of. I think, you know, deserves its own credit. And I don't know, I have not been rewatching the original Bewitched, so do not take my word for this, but my mom has. And my mom was talking to me about, like, an episode, like, it was an anti-racist episode, and they were, like, it was showing a positive depiction of a black couple and a negative depiction of a white guy that was racist against them, and he at the end had, like, a whole speech about, like, I've realized that I'm racist. And I'm like, wow, that for the 60s? Wow, like, yeah. Yeah! I was, like, I was kind of surprised. So Bewitched, Apparently, pretty fairly progressive show for its time and a positive depiction of witches. So that's cool. And I, I sort of like how also, you know, she gets to be the powerful one in the relationship, literally. Like she has the powers and her husband is just a regular guy and he has to like just support her and just kind of go along with things. And like that's kind of in itself a big statement. And um, I don't know, I think I'm biased toward Bewitched also because the, I believe, 2005 movie, which nobody seems to remember or care about, was the first, like, movie for grown-ups that I saw in theaters. And I, yeah, I loved it, and I still have a lot of love for it. I think it it actually does a lot of things interesting. Like, yeah, the pacing's kind of bad, and there are definitely problems with it, and I could see why it wasn't the most critically well-received. But the cast is really good, and, like, it's a really fun, interesting movie. And again, it's, like, a positive depiction of... A witch and it's true to its source material in that regard so it's and this is also just a fun funny movie so shout out to the to the 2005 bewitched movie for anybody that's looking for something to watch around this time of year i recommend it um two people the audience just cheering uproariously yes. <laughs> yeah. you remember that's yeah. Real. yeah there's like a lot uh, now that I've said it, I'm remembering much more media in which there's good depictions of witches, but I do feel like it's most of the time of much more casual setting 
for a witch to be portrayed mm-hmm. in a positive way. Like Buffy the Vampire Slayer has witch in it. Um, right. Charmed was a really popular show with okay. witches. Um, yeah. I feel like there are yeah. good witch side characters a lot of the time um, when it comes mm-hmm. to like more adult media. But I, I don't know if I've ever... The thing also that you're saying when you're talking about like more casual thing, it's like notice that the examples you gave they're not really horror i think that's a key difference too yeah Yeah. it's like the horror genre has a lot of hang-ups about women and a lot of hang-ups about witches and a lot of that overlap with the two and you kind of see that in the way that they have portrayed witches but outside of horror media when you're going to like horror adjacent media that's like dabbling with the supernatural but not really in a horror way then I think is when you get kind of more creative and uh, positive depictions of witches and kind of and related things like that. And so, yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's it's interesting, too, because for the most part, like non-horror media is where you'll see that breaking out. But also there are exceptions to that. Like I think of like Hocus Pocus, which is a non-horror movie, but is definitely... I mean, I would say it's a pretty scathing depiction of witches. Like, yeah, it's meant very funny and tongue-in-cheek, but like they are clearly villainous you were meant to really hate these characters and find them kill and eat yeah yeah and you're meant to find them hideously ugly like it's really kind of (laughs) that movie's kind of mean (laughs) like people don't talk enough about like how kind of mean-spirited the heart of that movie is like it's a fun funny movie but if you think too much about it you'll realize that like oh it's kind of it's kind of um enforcing a lot of our existing ideas about witches and women that are like have powers and it's it's sort of making a mockery of them while simultaneously trying to say that they are scary and bad so it's kind of got a lot of retrograde ideas in it as fun as it may be to watch it's like it's not something that is a (laughs) particularly progressive depiction of witches or i would say even particularly original or creative depiction of witches i think it's kind of by the book except that it's like a slapsticky version (laughs) um but yeah and i i still like that movie i watched a lot as a kid like everybody so it's like it's fun but like yeah it's it's not uh wouldn't be one that i would say is a (laughs) is a standout in terms of how it depicts witches and then you have things like the witches by roald dahl which Rodol sucks, first of all. Can we just establish that he... Really? Yeah. I have no idea. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He... No yeah, he had some really awful things that he said. Um, like, specifically about Jews. Um, he said something about, like... Um, basically kind of being in support of nazis where he's like yeah they were wrong but like you have to understand that they had like a nugget of truth like he had something like he said like that where he's like there was a kernel of truth there because there's something with the jews and it's like what so yeah roald dahl sucks sidewalk ends (laughs) yeah yeah and that roald dahl yeah he actually yeah he had some very anti-semitic beliefs and also a lot of, um, I think, some misogynistic beliefs that you see in the witches, because I know that the no. witches has been <laughs> has been seen as a very misogynistic. I know, I know it's hard, but I have, yeah, I've had to. Once I found that out about Roald Dahl, kind of killed my my childhood <laughs> love of Matilda, it's and so it was like, damn, that's 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 a hard pill to swallow. But yeah, he kind of sucked as a person, and um, I think also he had some um, withering beliefs about women, as seen in the witches, which which is regarded as the book is definitely regarded as very misogynistic. I think the movie adaptation 
I have not seen the more recent one, but the original movie adaptation um, kind of goes a little bit softer on how well it's still a very negative depiction of the witches but like there's one good witch character that i'm thinking of that like yeah the token good that's like the one good one of this bad group um so the movie has like that that kind of is like not all witches but it's still not a very positive depiction (laughs) of witches um and then yeah so i've uh, that's i don't know those are some that come to mind for me and then you have like hereditary which i really liked as a movie but it's also a very, it's definitely a negative depiction of witchcraft, I would say. Mm, yeah. um, but it's its very good. Like, it's a really good and it's an interesting depiction of grief. And I think of motherhood and of woman going through grief, but not great depiction of witches, I think would be fair to say. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, even if the depictions are very poor, I still love a good witch movie. Yeah, I feel that like, way too. Even if it's cr- yeah, like I'll, I'll still watch it. I'll still have a good time. Yeah, I'll just like be aware. Yeah, of the silliness of it. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I agree. And what did? What are your thoughts, kind of overall, on witches in media and their and how they're depicted and ones you like and ones you don't like mickey what do you think do you have any thoughts so i was uh i was gonna bring up a witch i really like which is kiki from kiki's yes one of my favorite ghibli movies and actually there are a few ghibli movies with witches like uh like in spirited away yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle is one of my favorite Howl's movies Moving of Castle. all time. Yeah, so um, let's let's break it down one at a time. <laughs> I love Studio Ghibli. Yeah. Uh, so Kiki's Delivery Service, extremely positive view of a witch. It's a mm-hmm. it's a coming of age story, and uh, it's also a story of believing in yourself because mm-hmm. Kiki loses her powers when she stops believing in herself as a witch and when she stops uh, like finding joy in her witchcraft. I, I really enjoy that depiction because she has to look to other people in her, in her life who are non-magical to gain back her magic. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was so positive to see a young girl accepted not only as a witch, but also as an outsider in this new mm-hmm. town and finding ways to make her magic useful and try to find, trying to like hone her way in this world and hone her craft. So I think that's an extremely positive view of witches. In Spirited Away, Yubaba mm-hmm. and her sister, they're very... Uh, well, Yubaba herself is very uh, greedy. And she takes away people's names and identities so then they'll be indentured servants to her in the bathhouse. And uh, She's she- corporate. <laughs> Capitalist witch. Yeah. <laughs> and she's definitely the antagonist of the film and i think that a witch being an antagonist is something that is uncreative and has been done many many times and i'm not saying that all witch movies should be like kiki's delivery service though i would like more kiki's delivery service (laughs) in my life um i do think that a witch being empowered and a witch being true to herself and believing in herself could be a really interesting horror story if she has been kicked down and beat down all of her life for being other and then she uses her powers to kind of come back for herself i mean i think i'm just kind of describing carrie <laughs> a little bit like we talked about in the first episode yeah but yeah. um i'm trying to see how i can like relate 
witches to horror in a way that would be a positive depiction of witches because I do think that the trope of an evil witch is a great monster. It is readily mm-hmm. acceptable and digestible to yeah. everybody because it is what we believe. And it's what we've believed since like the 1400s. Right. Actually, just even but like even before that, every time that there's been an other, they've gone a cult. And so I'm trying to imagine a way that there could be a positive horror story about, or like a positive depiction of a witch in a horror story where it is not a revenge story and uh, it is not a story that is, that this character gains power to, um, to hurt others. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm having a difficult time imagining that maybe because that hasn't been explored very much in media and my sick feverish brain cannot concoct things at the moment. Yeah, uh, I feel that. Yeah. yeah, but I I get what you're saying. There's not there's just not a lot of examples of that I think in existing popular horror media like mainstream mm-hmm. stuff. Like there's not we don't have really a ton of depictions like that. I think also what's really interesting about Studio Ghibli, they are not afraid to sort of have those ambiguities like with their, like in Spirited Away, I think that that witch character, like there's nuance to her still. She's the antagonist, but she's not entirely bad or unlikable. And I think that that's really cool that they put that like kind of texture in it, even when they were doing a witch antagonist, because they didn't have to. They could have just totally made her just bad. But she's still there's still redeeming qualities about her and i think that's true of like a lot of studio ghibli villains or kind of the sort of quasi villains because some of their movies don't have clear-cut villains per se but like you know one of my favorites is princess mononake and that movie i think has a really has really interesting depictions of all of its female characters they're very layered and you know even the ones that are kind of more of the antagonist role are you still kind of there's stuff about them that is redeeming and likable and that you root for them and they're not just they're not total villains or caricatures ever and so i think studio ghibli is really great at that i think that's one of the reasons that it's kind of able to depict witches in a better way and nuanced way even when it's coming at them from the antagonist angle because they're not afraid to sort of admit that people and people are multi-dimensional you know so even their antagonists are multi-dimensional Yubaba is a fantastic, loving mother to her baby. And Yubaba's twin sister, uh, she is also a witch, but she just (laughs) wants to fuck with Yubaba. Like, I think it's funny when I make my sister mad. Yeah. Like, uh, like reversing her magic just to be like, ah, she's going to be so mad about that. (laughs) Hey, you stay here and have some tea and cake with me. Like, yeah. Or like the Witch of the Waste from Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah. I was just about to bring her up. Oh, yeah. please talk about her, Ophelia. I mean, she's she's a very interesting character. Like, there, I feel like there are much more evil witches in Howl's Moving Castle than her. Like, Lady Solomon, she, she like, has much greedier intentions than the Witch of the Waste. Like, the Witch of the Waste is a character that I feel is nuanced in the way that, like, her intention, she's got BPD core. Um, me too, girl. Um, she just wants love. She wants to be loved. She wants, like, like the reason that she's so mean with Howl is because Howl was kind of a dick to her. <laughs> yeah, stutter her up. Like, they were in a relationship, and then she, like, 
And it sounds like she was using her magic to, like, make her look younger and more pretty, which is weird that it was associated with, like, thinness. But, hey, that's a different cup of tea and a cultural cup of tea that might, like, have some other nuances. But her character is literally just, like, I want Howell's heart because I was not loved by this man and he treated me so badly and I want revenge on him. But in the end, she was so charismatic, like she cared about him in the same way that she like gave his heart back to Sophie. Yeah. She was greedy, but she understood like, oh, you know, like at the end of the day, there is love beyond me. And like, I should respect that. Like in the end, she came around. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very unique take. And Lady Solomon was literally bringing the Witch of the Waste to the palace to steal her magic. Literally, yeah. Like, for the war effort. Yeah, which they, like, faked anyway, which is a whole other thing. Yeah, so I feel that consensus. Studio Ghibli, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't even think of, like, another example of something that depicts a witch in that antagonist role but also has them being like a good mother figure because i think so much of like so much of like negative depictions around women and witches and whatever but like especially in horror movies as we've talked about is like them not being good mothers them not being satisfactory maternal figures them being like either not mothers at all and kind of like you know just having that like being kind of cold and aloof and not having any kids and that kind of being a failing on their part or them being actively bad to children be it their own children or other people's or you know or just like I my mom was also saying that after she listened to the last episode she's like you need to talk more about how it's also just seen as bad if you're just indifferent to your kids and that's a you know a good point too like yeah just even indifferent mothers that's very frowned upon and I think with witches like I don't think I can't think of another example of, of a witch that's an antagonist but is also a good mother because that's so kind of outside of how we tend to depict female antagonists and especially I think witches and especially in horror movies like we're not it's a really kind of radical to have an antagonist that's a good mother and a warm maternal figure and also just an antagonistic for entirely different reasons and like that's it's that's a, le- a layer of nuance that I think is missing with a lot of um, horror villains that are female or female coded and a lot of witch depictions and a lot of just a lot of you know the monsters feminine just comes back to the idea of bad mothers and I think that that's kind of really radical that they put that in the movie and that more horror movies need to do stuff like that where it's like there's that kind of nuance to the antagonist characters and if they're going to have a witch be an antagonist I would love to see. That kind of, I think another good example, it's kind of, it's very different though, but like Into the Woods, um, are either or both of you familiar? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a big musical theater person and I'm a huge Sondheim fan, so I love Into the Woods and I think you have an interesting nuanced depiction of a witch in that where she is antagonistic for the most part, but it, I think that like her failings as a mother like comes from being overprotective and loving her child too much like she took away and like it's just kind of a really interesting um retelling of that sort of uh fairy tale where we have like you know and typically i think in 
in stories of like Rapunzel, because I think that's that's her daughter figuring into the woods. Like Rapunzel, usually in returns of that, um, like if you look at the Disney version, for example, she's taken and abducted because her hair has magical powers and her mother's just using her for that. Her fake mother that's just using her for that and doesn't actually have any warmth or connection to her beyond that she wants to protect her because she wants to protect these powers that she needs and also connects to the whole thing about youth and being forever young so she's kind of she has a lot of witch characteristics in that way um and so there's that depiction versus like into the woods where it she takes the daughter and like loves the daughter and just sees her as their daughter like it's she does take the daughter away from her actual parents in kind of like a very vindictive move but she then just raises the daughter and loves her and just kind of loves her too much and wants to protect her too much from the outside world, which she regards as being very kind of dark and dangerous. And she wants to keep her safe from that. So she's, you understand her reasonings and her reasoning is very much based out of like, it comes from a place of love, however misguided. And she's very much like a, she really does love this daughter that she's that isn't even hers that she abducted and she could have just been using to like get back at this person she could have killed she could have done any number of things to and said she's just been raising her and loves her and adores her and wants to keep her safe and so that's kind of an interesting depiction too and she's still villainous very much so toward the other characters and even toward the Rapunzel character but she has that core aspects of being a good mother embedded within her character her some of even some of her bad actions come from a place of love rather than a place of like cruelty or villainous whatever motivations so I think that's a really interesting depiction of kind of a positive somewhat positive maternal figure not exactly all the way positive but like kind of um like she loves her daughter at least which is more than you could say for a lot of other witches and um witch coded characters in media um so i that's that's kind of a victory of sorts i think all the characters in into the mm-hmm. woods have a lot of depth so it makes sense that she would kind of follow in that and have that sort of extra layer of texture to her because that's kind of the whole thing of into the woods is that all of these like flat story but characters are given a lot of uh dimension and a lot of nuance and i think like anybody can be good or bad or right or wrong and it doesn't matter what their prescribed role is whether they're the witch or they're you know the giant or the the heroine of the story and i i also just thought about uh the wizard of oz as a good witch and a bad witch I was just frantically Googling (laughs) Good Witch and Bad Witch, Wizard of Oz, Glinda, the Good Witch of the North. And I just, I think that that was the first time I I ever saw a good witch in media. But I also think that it's kind of problematic how the bad witch is depicted because she's green and with a big nose. And and she she wants to, uh, does she want to kill Dorothy? (laughs) Is that kind of the deal? And she got, like, the monkeys. Yeah. I, don't, uh, I haven't seen yeah. the movie in a long time, and the last time I saw it was, uh... <laughs> I, I should have been high for this experience, <laughs> but it was uh, The Wizard of Oz with a Pink Floyd album played over the top of it with none of Ooh. the Wizard of Oz dialogue. Oh, my God. Underneath. And you weren't it high? Was, um, <laughs> I... I was not. I did not pre-toke before this. They played the album two and a half times, oh and I thought I was going to lose my fucking <laughs> mind in the theater. And I'm like, I paid $10 for this. Oh, it was, gosh. um, 
Oh, the dark side of Oz, because uh, there was this idea that the Pink Floyd album, The Dark Side of the Moon, uh, lined up perfectly with The Wizard of Oz, and maybe it was, like, meant to be. And, like, it does line up pretty well. You know, there are some little synchronicities, but also, um, if I had to hear that cacophony of tolling bells uh, a fourth time, Mm -hmm. I I think I would have uh, committed seppuku. (laughs) (laughs) That's valid. Well, I think that it's interesting because I also, I have not seen The Wizard of Oz since I was a kid. And so I really, it's one of those movies that I'm due to rewatch, not only just because of, I'm interested in how like witches are depicted in women, but also just because like, it's a classic movie and I have only my childhood memories really to go off of. Um, and I remember that my mom used to taunt me about having been afraid of it when I tried watching it. And I don't even remember being Aww. afraid of it. I just remember scary. I just remember <laughs> yeah. her saying, you were shaking in your boots. Oh, that's cute. But anyway, um, yeah, so I don't really remember, but I do think you brought up an interesting point in terms of how a lot of times witches are presented physically. And I think a lot of times mm-hmm. there is um, a certain look that they have. They oftentimes yep. kind of look like anti-Semitic caricatures with like yeah. big hooked yeah. noses. And it's a problem and it's gross. Um, and it's kind of goes back to the Roald doll thing. It makes sense that he would be anti-witch <laughs> and anti-Jew because there's sort of a connective thing there. Um, but yeah, a lot of them. And I think also, honestly, hot take, but like the mother witch character that I was talking about in Disney's version of Rapunzel, I think is, is I've always kind of found her to be Jewish coded and I don't like that. Yeah. Mother Gothel with her curly dark hair and her ethnic features and her strong nose. I always found, and even the way, like even how she acts toward Rapunzel, the way she is like this sort of smothering mother. That's also a bit contemptuous. Like that felt Jewish coded the whole, I felt like that's really a Jewish coded Mm. character and it bothered me. Yeah. And so I don't like that too much. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's often how they are shown. And I think it also connects with this idea of female worth being equated to female beauty and female youthfulness. Yeah. Yeah. And so Eurocentric beauty standards. Yes. And like, yeah, I mean, Hocus Pocus is another example of they make a big deal about the witches being so ugly and they're like all of these like they're strong all so hot <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it doesn't maybe it that's does... just me being queer but like yeah yeah all them which oh leave me in a room with them you know yeah i i agree <laughs> with you but it's interesting also oh, that wow. all three of the people that are playing the witches in that movie all three of them are Two of them are Jewish, and then the last actress is, I can't remember what her, I think she's Middle Eastern or Lebanese or something like that. I'm sorry, but I don't remember. But the point being, they cast ethnic actresses for those roles. They cast ethnic actresses with ethnic features Mm. for those roles. And I think that is a very interesting choice. And they're, you know, the people that they're going up against, the heroes of that movie look very kind of white bread and not non-ethnic looking so that's a choice Mm -hmm. in and of itself and there's the whole idea of them not being beautiful and that's that's like you know that they're chasing beauty they're not beautiful they're taunted throughout the movie about oh they're ugly they're old whatever they're trying to gain beauty and youth uh through children and like so there's a lot of um there's a lot of interesting stuff about there's a lot of like overlapping anti-semitism and misogyny when it comes to how witches are depicted in media especially when they're villainous um and 
kind of them failing to meet beauty standards and the way they fail to meet beauty standards is a lot of times by looking ethnic in some way, usually by having a strong nose. And so that's interesting and not good. So I did want to talk about um, Halloween. Um, I was curious about like what are some pieces of Halloween media that both of you love and tend to revisit around this time of year. If For you, Mickey, do you have like um, pieces of Halloween media that you revisit at this time of year? Or are there any Halloween related things that you really love or anything like that? interview with a vampire oh my god i do too on halloween oh my god it's so gay it's so i love it (laughs) i fucking adore it lestat (laughs) hi sir hello and everybody Um, is so fucking beautiful in that movie it's too much it's like so beautiful that they're gross i know yeah i know we're not supposed to like tom cruise and like i get it but tom cruise is so fucking good in that movie and he looks so fucking good in that movie um i love a good vampire movie i love the idea of uh romance coming from devouring others uh that's something i explore a lot in my own personal writing I think uh, it's fascinating, and I just, the interview with the vampire is something that I look forward to every single year. It's so fucked up and weird. I tried reading the book. I uh, loved the book. I loved the Really? Book. But I read it as a kid, I, I, so I don't know how I would feel. I need to revisit it. I read it when I was like 12, or possibly even oh. younger, like 11 or 12. I read it young, really young, and I loved it. I thought it was like, it was like revelatory to me at that time. Now I might revisit it and be wincing. I don't know. But I loved the book. I There was one point when I was like in college and just hating my life, and Halloween rolled around, and I put on Entry of the Vampire on Halloween. And it was, like, the highlight of that semester. It was, like, such a miserable oh. semester. And that, like, got me through it. And I was thinking about a truth vampire <laughs> nonstop the rest of the semester. So, yeah, I feel you on that 100%. It's such a, it's, like, such a fun, good, just, like, beautiful to look at movie. The aesthetics are so good. And it's, like, it is so gay. And it's just, and the book yeah. is awesome. <laughs> and it's yeah. just, it's very fun. Um, I, I yucked out at a point in the book where, uh... The relationship between the main vampire, I forget his name. Louis and Claudia. Yeah, Louis and Claudia. I got a little yucked out by their by their relationship because Claudia Yeah. In the book that they go a lot it's a lot more. Like we have already the kiss, which is already kind of shocking that they included that in the movie. There's a lot of like physical stuff that goes on between the two. And also yes. she's meant to be younger in the book. She's supposed to only be a five year old. She yeah. has the body of a five-year-old. So that's the other thing is she's younger uh-huh. and there's more displays of affection between her and Louie. Okay. Uh, Ophelia, have you seen or read this book? I have not. I remember very, very vaguely seeing Interview with the Vampire like one time in my youth. Okay. I haven't revisited it in a long time. So this is uh, interesting to hear. So I would recommend <laughs> the movie. It is so much fun. Just gloss over the like semi- pedophilic relationship Mm. between louis and uh claudia um i mean it's kind of one of those things that's visited a lot in like anime where it's like yeah i'm 500 years old but i look like a five-year-old yeah yeah Uh, which is problematic and difficult to get around but there is one scene in the book that i still actively quote years later after reading it where Lestat is uh, in a hotel room in New Orleans with uh, with Louis, 
he orders up a bottle of wine and like a very handsome young man brings it up and he's like, ah, my drink has arrived. And he <laughs> takes the bottle of wine and then he drinks the, the sexy young dude's blood and uh, kills him through the blood drinking. So the boy like drops to the ground and Lestat goes, good night, sweet prince. And here's your $20 <laughs> and like throws the money onto his body. That yeah. oh my God. changed me fundamentally as a person. Like it's just so fun. And it's so good. And I don't think Anne Rice meant that for meant for that to be as fucking hilarious as it is. Yeah, Anne Rice is um, I it's like I'll never like figure out how much of the camp is intentional with Anne Rice, but it's so good from a camp angle. And that's why like I would recommend the book if you're able to handle the the relationship between Louis and Claudia. Like that is a big thing. If that's something that you don't want more of, like if the movie's already pushing it for you then the book's probably not a good idea. But if you're able to handle that, I I did love the book. Um, yeah, the book That's had a lot of iconic it. moments. And I think Claudia is such an interesting character. I love Claudia. I think that she's interesting from a monstrous feminine perspective too, because she's kind of, yes. I mean, she is this monstrous character. And, and initially she starts out as, you know, being a kid and just being innocent, sort of like killing people mindlessly because she needs the blood. But she's like, you know, it's like she's not totally aware of what she's doing exactly because she's a kid initially. And then as she gets older and ages and she's stuck in this kid's body, then she becomes much more aware of it and much more deliberate. And so there's that change and then there's also the change as she ages where she's stuck in this kid's body and becomes resentful of that and becomes jealous of women that are adults because she never got to grow up and have like the body that they had and be adult woman when she is that inside and so that's really I think an interesting perspective that the book and the movie both look at and um, to me I think she's a really great character and a really iconic character there's like a lot of rage within her that I find interesting because I like I love depictions of feminine rage i love depictions of evil little girls i love like it's it, there's a lot about the claudia character that's just like catnip to me so i'm like yes so i can't help but like love that she as a character is included oh, of course yeah it's claudia, super valid she also uses her her youngness and her innocence yes. to lure in prey preys upon older men who are into children and she tricks them into coming to her home and then that's where she feeds and uh she also has an arc in her character where she's looking for a mother yes and she's looking to vampire women to be her mother or actually doesn't she try to find a woman to be her mother and then turns her into a vampire that's what she tries to do is get just a regular woman and turn her into a vampire and make her and she finds somebody that's like willing to go along with this plan um, because she has her own issues she's going through. But in the movie, yeah, she finds something to go along with it, and then they are both killed. And I that's the one part of the book in the movie that I hate is when Claudia dies. I'm always like, no, because My I girl. really am so attached to her. <laughs> like, don't. Yeah. She also relates herself to being like a little doll. To yes, yes. And like, that... She kind of dehumanizes herself in a way. Uh, because she feels so disconnected to her young body. Yes. Stat really seems to want her to be this doll-like figure. Louis Definitely. has an interest in her that is, you don't, <laughs> it could be romantic. Let's just put it that way. So he has like a amorous attachment to her. 
that feels like it's also kind of mutual. Like they have this this attachment that, and then the stats kind of then the third wheel where it's so it's interesting because then he's like this awkward third person in their relationship, and he views Claudia in a different way than Louis does. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting stuff there. But I um I do love that movie, and I so yes, that's a that's a great Halloween rewatch. I know you're not big into horror, which is respectable, but I'm just curious, like what what about like comedy horror comedy sort of things where it's like not scary. Oh. I just, to get into the mood, I watched Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. It was my partner's first time seeing Beetlejuice, and that was really good. Oh, my God. Nice. That's so fun. I love that. I love Beetlejuice. Yeah, I am a huge fan of all things Beetlejuice to maybe an obsessive point. <laughs> Lydia was a very foundational character for me, and I oh. I relate too much Wait. to her <laughs> and too much to Winona Ryder. I, I love Winona Ryder. I know. I love I'm her, too. I'm so gay for Winona I Ryder. Know. Yeah, I know. She's like, oh, she's everything. But, yeah, so I love Beetlejuice, and also I'm a big fan of Charlie Brown. Brown's the Halloween special. I think the Charlie oh, Brown Halloween oh special. Yeah, I'm the of the opinion Halloween. the Halloween special is better than the Christmas one because I think the Halloween special is funnier and it doesn't have the weird religious angle that the Christmas one does. And I'm a fan Real. of it not going into the Christianity stuff. So for me, I'm team Halloween um, peanut special all the way. <laughs> Love the bit where, you know, he keeps getting a rock. Um, Charlie Brown. <laughs> that's so funny to me. I don't know why, but that's just so funny and iconic that everywhere is just getting a rock. So I'm a big fan of that. And then Ophelia, what kind of Halloween stuff do you rewatch or revisit, if anything? Do you guys remember Scary Godmother? Yes! Yes! Okay, thank you. There was a pause the and I animated so one? scared. Yes. The oh. one on Cartoon Network every year. Oh my yeah. god! I don't know if I remember this. Memory. I don't know if I do. I love her <laughs> to my grave. <laughs> that is my mom. Like yeah. <laughs> she's kind of like if Miss Frizzle did Halloween as a wish. Oh. Exactly. Yeah, like that, <laughs> that's, that's so kind of real. The vibe. I don't know if I've ever seen that but that's fun so you revisit that one Rewatching scary godmother it's like really funny because the animation just gets worse and worse and <laughs> oh. worse because <laughs> yeah. it was already bad like <laughs> yeah it's already like bad animated with a ps2 oh i gotta check Literally. this out <laughs> oh it's so cute though it's very charming and i love it a lot i i um casper oh, yeah. The live-action Casper movie. Oh, yeah. That was my shit growing up. I had a huge crush on Casper as a child. We can read. <laughs> that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a normal consensus, I swear. It is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yes. I have a crush heard. on Casper? Yeah. Yes. Because also, because at the end, then he's... You see him human, and he's really cute, and he has that dance. It's, yeah. Let me Google something really fast. Yeah, I and I. <laughs> oh yeah, I know like a gay guy that that was his gay awakening, was Casper <laughs> in that movie. So like, yeah, it's a thing. For I mean, me. ew, y'all had a crush on him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but my queer moment was having a crush on him, the dad. Oh and my god, yes, the, the dad. Oh my god. Yes. And the daughter and cat. I had a crush yeah. on cat too. On, that was my queer me, moment. I'm, y'all, I'm googling so fast. I oh, didn't get it. Yeah, the dad. Yeah. I think was. I think my crush was on the dad. Dad. I had a crush on a lot of dad figures, and I did not have an active dad figure in my life. So you can do the Freudian math on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Well, I'm also having a Halloween party. Oh yeah. 
And you guys are also invited. Ooh. Oh, man. God, I want to go to all these parties so bad. I mean, it's going to be a little potluck party. So I'm making some spooky themed foods. Like, I'm going to make these little oh. uh, pizza bagels, but they're like mummies. Oh, like the cheese. wow. Yeah. Like, the cheese is like the wrapper kind of stuff. And then olive eyes. That's going to be cute. Um, and then I'm going to do, like, deviled eggs, but it's, like, dyed orange and in the shape of pumpkins. How do you so make that's gonna an be egg a... in the shape of a pumpkin? Like, the filling. The filling's going to oh, be shaped. Oh, okay. I'm like, what are you doing to these eggs? <laughs> oh, God, Some kind yeah. of witchcraft. I'm growing them. Yeah. <laughs> My like, special. you know those, like... <laughs> You know those like plant growers where you can like form a plant into the shape yeah. of what you want. Oh, that God. but for eggs. Yeah, man, that would that poor chicken. <laughs> yeah, that sounds horrendous. Yeah, that would be some satanic stuff. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I mean, it'd be fitting for Halloween, but still. So that's so fun. I just got a Nightmare Before Christmas cookbook, and I have not even opened it oh. yet. But I'm I I do not cook. I don't know how to cook. I really would like to learn how to like cook and bake and stuff and make things and be like a DIY person. At this point in time, I am not that at all. <laughs> but I have aspirations, and so hopefully I can do something with this cookbook at some point. Maybe not on Halloween. But um, I am planning on going to some parties in the next couple of days. I love to rewatch Beetlejuice. Um, I love to rewatch Nightmare Before Christmas. I'm somebody that rewatches that at Halloween time. I know there's kind of a debate about when to rewatch it. But I'm of the opinion because Christmas comes after Halloween that it's yeah. Halloween is the perfect time to rewatch it because then it's perfect for both whereas if you watch it rewatch it at christmas like halloween's already passed so um so yeah i like to rewatch it at halloween time i think it's great i that's kind of i think what i mostly tend to rewatch i don't think i even tend to rewatch a lot of horror at this time of year i think it's more like family friendly stuff and horror comedies yeah. I did notice that we all kind of went that route. Yeah. Yeah. I think Halloween is an extremely nostalgic holiday. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like like what you were mentioning last episode, Lilith, it, it peaks when you're a kid. Yeah. Because then you true. get to wear your little costume and go get candy. Now I, I have to put together my little costume and just get drunk at home. <laughs> Yeah. And then wait a few days and then buy discount Halloween candy. Yeah. For real. My friends were messaging me about how we should go trick or treating. <laughs> we deserve to go trick or treating. Yeah, that would be <laughs> that would be something. Um I'm also just thinking because I, I did decide to go as Jessica Rabbit this year. So that I don't think would be a great one to go trick or treating as. It's oh gosh, like that's yeah. egregious. That's really like I'm trying to show how much of an adult I am as I'm trick or treating. Um, that's really funny though. That's iconic. Yeah, like, I mean, low key kind of. Yeah, but I don't have I the nerve. Ever tell you guys that uh, when I was a kid going trick or treating, the neighborhood that I was in was also doing trick or treating for adults. And so, like, when the parents would take their kids out when you would go to a house they'd have candy for kids and then like an hors d'oeuvre or a cocktail or a shot for the parent wow right yeah that but is also so cool very late into the <laughs> very late into the evening my parents were pretty, pretty blitzed <laughs> and i assume that the people in the houses were quite blitzed as well and i walked up to a door and i knocked on it and some guy came out He's like, ah, oh, yeah, here you go. And he threw, like, a raw hot dog into oh. my candy bag. Oh, my God. You've lived such an interesting life. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
like, I think he mixed mixed it up. Like, I think he was handing out hot dogs to the parents, and he, like, probably ran out of buns, and he's like, ah, I'm too drunk oh to start the god. grill. Oh my god. Here's, here's a raw hot dog, still wet from, like, the casing, <laughs> you know? Oh god. And it's like... Yummy. <laughs> oh, you got, like, nasty hot dog saline water all over my oh, Reese's no, cups. Oh no, that's giving no. Charlie Brown rock vibes, it, honestly. Uh, I got oh, a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> but they should do that again. Like that that yeah. tiny neighborhood in my in my birthplace town. <laughs> they had it right where it's like, oh, you're out with your kids. I'm sure that you're fucking exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> Have a shot yeah. of Hennessy. Love yeah. you. Bye. See what the church potluck next weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> like, I'm I'm all about that. Yeah. Um my plans at this point, I'm doing another party which is at a bookstore. It's like a literary Halloween. Ooh. Yeah, costume event. I'm oh excited my about that. And then the, you're supposed to go as a literary character, but I'd already oh. bought the costume. But I the good news is Who Framed Roger Rabbit is based on a book for those who don't know called Who Censored Robert Roger Rabbit. And Jessica Rabbit appears in the book, but it's kind of a stretch, but I'm still, I already have the costume, so I have to go with it at this point because it's like, I had already invested and I was like, well, I'm just going to have to make this work. I I don't know how many people there that are going to be familiar with the book because I don't think it's the most well known. So I expect to have to be answering a lot of questions. I don't know yet what I'm going to be doing actually on Halloween. I have no plans yet for that day. So I might just be watching Enter the Vampire, who knows? Uh, I still don't have a costume. <laughs> I have two costumes at this point. I'm not surprised. And uh, 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 a little dress up for the five minutes at Freddy's movie. Oh. <laughs> Who are you dressing up? Wait. Whoa, that even. Is it a fursuit? <laughs> no, no. It's oh, like okay. a themed outfit. Like. Okay. I thought you went like full fursuit. Man. Like, oh my god. Crazy. Have an animatronic yeah. suit at the ready. God. No, it's it, I'm going like with a foxy themed outfit. Oh, that's really cute. Eh, it's going to be very cute. Yeah. I got like pirate accessories for it. Is Foxy oh, yeah. your favorite of the animatronics? Yeah, I like I like Freddy to be honest, but I mean, I don't really have a favorite cuz I feel like it's like choosing your know. favorite child. <laughs> It really is, because it's literally just children, <laughs> like... That's true. I don't know. I feel like they're all special in their own way. Foxy is just... I have a red wig. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's what's ready. Yeah, and you get to be Foxy. Like, the word Foxy is, you know, has its own connotation, so it's fun double meaning, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Like, worst case, it can be perceived as a pirate Halloween costume. That like, also, yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. My partner is going to be a sexy wizard. Ooh. Ooh. So, like, hat, beard, <laughs> like, the full cassock, basically, wizard robe with the big slit up the thigh, and they're going to wear fishnets underneath. Oh, my God. That's literally exactly what I imagined when it's you iconic. said that. Like, and, like, exactly. they're, very, they're very, very tall and lean, and so I think it's going to gonna work out well. And then they're like, we should do, like, a couple's costume. You should be, like, a hot witch. I'm like, I don't do sexy costumes. It's not my, it's not my biz. Uh, <laughs> I could be, like, your cauldron. <laughs> or, That's like, a good idea, <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you had a scary good time and that you'll come back for more of our Witches Brew when we release our next episode. In the meantime, you can follow Mickey on TikTok at Aerobatal. That's A-E-R-O-B-A-T-A-L. 
Follow Ophelia on Instagram at o.ophelia14 and support their GoFundMe, which is raising money for much-needed mobility aid, the link to which can be found on their Instagram and in this episode's description. And you can follow me on Instagram at lilthione. That's L-I-O-N-N-E. As for the show, you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on Instagram at monstrous underscore fam. You can also support the show by leaving a positive review, which would be very kind and much appreciated. Until next time, stay monstrous. Stay monstrous.